should I say third and fourth? Because it's right before the fourth of July. Get it? That's, that's a good one. <laughs> and the crowd is just silent over here. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thanks for that. <laughs> Hilarious. There's actually a bunch of people here. We've got Nikki here with two different cocktails. Awesome. Drinking with some herbs. Uh, we've got my friends Marnie Ginther and Charles Awad to share some awesome grilling information and a little bit of new gardening stuff. And then, as always, we have your pal, Randy Barrett. Hi. Oh, hi. <laughs> Uh, tonight we're going to talk about crafting a rad patio. I've got some information on donating extra produce to fight hunger. And we've got a few uh, fantastic questions from our listeners. So that's all That's all coming up today. Okay, so to get started right away, I've been working on the website and we now have uh, an updated Verdant North bios page where you can read all about us and who we are and what we do and where we hail from and that kind of business. So please check that out. Um, and then also there is a new link on our site called Favorite Goodies. This is our Amazon affiliates page. So these are all items you can buy from Amazon that we enjoy. So lots of books books like the flavor bible um lots of gardening stuff like the square foot garden and um you know i'll have some cool garden stuff put there too so if you do purchase things from amazon check and see if there's any fun garden stuff through our link and that way we might make a couple of pennies which would be really cool because so far we are all volunteer we make no money and nikki keeps letting me drink her booze so I, <laughs> we could really go for a little revenue here now that we're five episodes deep um so yeah with that i'm gonna pass it over to nikki we have two cocktails today nikki yes we have two today i started with one and had an idea for another so decided to make two of them so our first one here i decided to go pretty simple um so actually i should Go back a little bit. So now that we finally have things growing and whatnot, um, able to target a little bit more what I'm doing instead of just making something up on the spot. So um, last week, Caroline gave me a few different herbs to play with. And so um, two that jumped out at me. So it was pineapple sage and pineapple mint. Now I made an awesome simple syrup with the pineapple mint and forgot it at home, of course. So Oops. we had to um, improvise a little bit here, but made a cocktail that worked. So the idea I had for a cocktail was kind of based on a uh, caipirinha, which is a Brazilian cocktail. Yes. Traditionally, it's made with a um, sugar-based um, spirit from, from Brazil. Um, so I didn't have any of that around, so I decided to use tequila because tequila cocktails are delicious anyways. And so I did a little tequila version, added in some other stuff, and I'll tell you a little bit about what I did here. So um, start off with, okay, we're going to talk about my improvised version right now. So took some of the pineapple sage that mm -hmm. I still had around, mm -hmm. um, added in a uh, about a, tablespoon, a teaspoon, tablespoon, of powdered sugar, just kind of a nod to the old um, mint julep, where they'd make it, you know, usually use a powdered sugar instead of simple syrup for the base of it. Um, Ooh, I didn't and know that. Yes, and then about about a half ounce, three quarter, or a half ounce, quarter ounce of water, muddled that together a little bit, added in a couple lime wedges and a couple chunks of pineapple, muddled that all together, got a good little base going. Um, then I added a little bit of what's a, a salt solution, essentially. So I took one part salt to ten parts water, dissolved the salt into there, and you have a almost your own little homemade saline solution. And this is always fun using cocktails, especially citrus-based ones, because it can really the salt can really brighten up the citrus a little bit. 
but you want to be careful not to use too much. You use it almost like a bitters. You want to use one or two drops. If you have an eyedropper, that's the best way to go with it. Um, if you put too much in, the salt can kind of end up numbing out the flavors after a bit. So you want to do just a little touch of it. And I think salt and tequila pair very well together. Tequila, oh, yes. Yes. Tequila and pineapple too, pair very well together. That's how back in the days when trying to learn how to drink cheap tequila in college and whatnot, <laughs> discovered the other way I could handle it was tequila and pineapple. Luckily now, I've tried a lot more good tequilas, become a lot more refined with that. So those days are behind me, but I still have a little soft spot for the um, for the tequila and pineapple combination. So once I add all that together, put a couple ice cubes in there, added about two ounces of tequila, um, just stirred it a couple times with a bar spoon, and you're good to go. And this is also a fun one to do because you can put almost any fruit and any herbs in here. So if you're having a bunch of people over grilling some food and whatnot, you could put out any um, herbs you picked from your garden, any fruit you have laying around, a couple muddlers, and you know, make up some different simple syrups and whatnot. And people can kind of create their own cocktails and put out a handful of different spirits and you know, kind of have some fun little little crafty cocktails going and are really easy to do. So. I like it, like a little drink bar, craft your own yep. biz. Yep, I appreciate exactly. the addition of the salinity too because I personally prefer um, more savory drinks than sweet drinks. That's usually what turns me off from something that looks like this. Um, would you ever try putting mezcal in this as opposed to just oh, using yeah. a tequila? Yeah, I think a mezcal would be beautiful in this, yeah. um, especially something if you go like really heavy on the smoky side. Sure. Um, or finding like a, a so kind of tequila is either you have highland or lowland. The one I used is a very, very high up highland. So you're getting a lot more fruity flavors. But when we get the lowland ones that are on the coast, you can get some ones that are super salty, super seaweedy, just kind of these dirty tequilas. Sure. Um, that's another fun way to go. So, yep, I love the idea of mezcal, and you know, I can kind of do it with almost almost anything. How about a mezcal and some grilled pineapple? Whoa, that is foreshadowing. That is fantastic. So, like um, a while back, someone told me a bartender friend of mine told me about how was, one day was grilling, like was living somewhere tropical at the time many years ago and essentially made a margarita where they just grilled pineapple, like caramelized it and pureed oh, yeah. it and put it right into a cocktail, and they're like best thing I've ever had and I've always wanted to try that out because it just sounded amazing so yeah it's what's fun is there's a lot of ways to go with it that's awesome these I think they're really beautiful and I am into fruity drinks though so hey let's cheers with this first cocktail thank you so much Nikki I'm excited cheers and and I appreciate the Kuiperina inspiration that was me in the background with the creepy yes (laughs) (laughs) because I love a good Kuiperina and I I love that in a Kuiperina you're tasting the alcohol a little bit or like you know the the actual spirit that you're using and the tequila comes through in here but all the other flavors are there too and it's it's a delicious tequila too it's not like drinking hairspray you know what i mean this is some high-end like excellent flavor the salinity i can kind of taste it reminds me of like i love a salty margarita yeah but i know that way too much salt is way too much and this is nice it's open it's i can taste the pineapple sage too which is pretty good and i didn't realize i wouldn't have realized i I think about the salt unless i had heard you say it which i did (laughs) but like at the beginning i was like there's something something savory in the drink like you said charles what is this in my mouth what is the savory sensation and Mm. it's the yeah the salt with all the with the fruitiness is so good Oh, yeah, like awesome. uh, you know, around this time of year and kind of with what we're working with, they do have to make a lot of these citrus-based cocktails and kind of trying to figure out how not to make them sweet. 
because, you know, I right. wish I was right. talented enough to sit and make my own Amaro's at home and use them to mix in stuff. So usually I'm kind of working with, you know, something I can turn into a syrup and kind of, you know, mix into something. So it's, yeah, something I'm excited to play with a little bit more this summer as well. The more you know. Woo. I like it. I'm excited. Well, thanks. That was our first one. I'm excited for what number two is going to be. Um, So moving right along, uh, I found my friend uh, Megan sent me this cool link about sharing your backyard harvest with food shelves. A lot of times food shelves will be, you know, completely stocked with non-perishable items, uh, but people won't have access to healthy produce because it has such, you know, a shorter shelf life. So she sent me a link to ampleharvest.org. And I'm going to put a link up there for home gardeners. And uh, it's it's all where can you find somewhere to donate your extra produce in your area? So I put my zip code in for here in Minneapolis and like 20 different places showed up, which is awesome. I did a little more researching and there's programs like this in South Carolina and in Colorado, um, in Idaho. So do a little research and see, hey, if you got that many extra zucchini, why not share the wealth? Um, but please check first before you drop a bunch of stuff off because some places can't handle very short shelf life things like lettuces. Um, so there's a couple of good lists for things that are really nice to donate. So, hey, let's let's fight some hunger. What do you say? <laughs> yes. We say yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. We will fight that. Uh, <laughs> all right. So and then I wanted to talk about patio stuff. I got the coolest new umbrella and I got some excellent uh, solar powered outdoor lights and having some nice accessories to your patio is an awesome way to get that outdoor room feel. The umbrella I got is uh, a little special because it actually has 24 ribs instead of just like six. I think for the past three years I've been buying a new umbrella every year from probably like Target or whatever, and they keep busting in the wind. So I found one on Amazon. I'll throw it on our affiliates uh, page, but it has 24 ribs and the ribs are made out of the same material at like it's fiberglass. So it's kind of like a fishing rod and it's very flexible. So it's much sturdier. It's got this great tilt feature so that I can use it more often through the day than my old school cheap umbrellas. And it was like the same price. So I would rather have an umbrella that's going to last me more than one season and not just bust in the first blustery wind we get. The solar lights I got are awesome. They're kind of the little copper wire style uh, micro lights and I strung them back and forth between my garage and my house so it's kind of like at night we have this really pretty uh, ceiling to our room and they're not super bright and they're just like like sweet little little romantic lights. So they're they're like the little tiny twinkly ones. Yeah little tiny right. twinkly like they lights. Don't, they don't hang off a string in any no, way. No no they're okay. they're part of the string so it looks like i just right. hung a little wire right yeah okay yeah where's the like solar component to them it's at the end so instead of having a plug-in um there's just a little solar box so i set those on top of the roof of my garage so all day they charge and then they come on every night and they're not so bright that it looks like i have christmas lights going on in the backyard mm-hmm. um but it's a really it's a nice touch if it, it looks good and there's a few different settings if i want to make them blink and stuff like that but some of the blinking 
features seemed a little circusy to me. <laughs> sure, sure. But you wouldn't. So they're they're for atmosphere. It's not really a light source. Yeah, they're more they're more for atmosphere. Okay. Um, and then if you want to have a really nice nighttime presence on your patio, um, of course you can always do candles, and a lot of people do citronella candles to try and keep mosquitoes and stuff away. But having plants that are very light colored or white is an excellent way to see what's going on in your garden, even when it's dark out, because moonlight reflects off of white plants so so much. Um, so you can incorporate things like white hostas or you can do like uh, tobacco flowers, which also have a really beautiful smell and will attract um, some really cool sphinx moths at night. They look almost like hummingbirds, but they're really cool little moths. So incorporate some smells, incorporate some colors and textures, incorporate a little bit of bling with some solar lights and stuff, and then have a great umbrella for daytime purposes so you can use your patio at any time even if it's bright outside and you got a beautiful room i think it's great that sounds beautiful (laughs) yeah marty and i just moved and we're looking for some lighting in our outdoor space our yard and um we don't really have a patio but we do have a table area and and a uh, nice fire pit uh the floodlights outside don't work we pretty much have to evacuate when it gets dark out or light some candles and so we're looking for some solar lights and it's also a pretty vast yard so we don't really have anywhere to hang and plug in lights and we'd rather use solar anyways do the solar lights you purchase attach end to end or do they have to sort of hang autonomously could you like tie them together end to end I tied mine together end to end. So you can make but them as they, long as you want, essentially. But they each have their own solar box. So right. I have two strings, and so there's a box on each end, and then I just... Oh, excuse me. That was my fault. There's a, there was a, a, a hand gesture that went wild. She gave me the finger, <laughs> and it threw everything off. Sorry, sorry. Uh... I just twisted mine together at the ends, but you can't connect them properly together. Um, sure, so I guess more what I'm asking is, does it look weird when you tie them together? Like, is the box just kind of dangling there, or is it? No, I I kind of installed mine to the to the roof. Um, they come on like a stake, so you can stick them into the ground um, if you if you wanted to. I know your backyard is pretty shady, so give it a try and see. In if more you... ways than one. <laughs> There's some shady biz going on back there. I'm um, selling pot in the back of it. And we'll come hang out later. <laughs> this this episode is not Shut about up, that kind of herbs, Randy. Oh, ah. sorry. Ah, this is not the Colorado edition. Another ah. great porch activity. <laughs> Another great porch activity. Only where it's legal. Uh, stay legal, friends. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, it doesn't look bad at all. And they're so high above my head that I can't see where they're joined, really. And then at night, because it's not thick the way that Christmas light strings are. Right. It's kind of like a thin right. wire. So. so if you twist them together nicely, it'll it'll it can hi- kind of hide it. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Uh, so let's check it out. Or you can wrap them around your branches and stuff like that for some really cool things. However, I've my friends, uh, Bree and Ben, had some really cool lights and the squirrels ate them. So squirrels, not only a hazard to your plants, also to your cool stuff. So damn you squirrels. Damn. <laughs> Don't worry, we beep out F words. Okay, yeah, I just realized that. 
Thanks for making more work for me, by the way. Yep, just keeping you on your toes. <laughs> just keeping you on your toes. All right, so at this point, we're going to take a timeout because Mickey's got a second drink for us. So, Woo. so Randy, cue the music. All right. Hey, we're back. And Nikki has a second cocktail for us. We are so lucky. Two cocktails in one night. Nikki, tell us about this one. Alrighty, this one is kind of a whiskey bourbon sweet tea. Um, so started off with a few of the other things that um, Caroline gave me were um, lemon thyme and there's another lemon something, lemon balm. Yeah, yeah. So I turned those two in a simple syrup and I was just going to mix it with lemon juice and make a lemonade. Then I decided now do it a sweet tea and then decided to add some bourbon to it. So it was originally just going to be a lemonade to drink and then it turned into this little cocktail. So... Um, um, I really didn't use a particular whiskey for this. I had a bunch of like little ends of bottles and I was trying to clean out my liquor shelf. So <laughs> it's a mishmash of a couple Tennessee whiskeys, some bourbon, some Canadian rye. I think there's a little bit of Irish in there. I was just kind of finishing off some bottles. And um, I figured that the base had enough um, flavor to it that the, you know, the whiskey just needed to kind of taste like whiskey in there. It wasn't, you know, the strong forward flavor. And then I used a little bit of uh, celery bitters. Um, cause it was still like, it got some of the herbal quality from the simple syrup, but by the time I got the tea in there and the water and the whiskey and everything, it got lost a little bit. So I needed something, a little bit of sharpness to bring that back out. So, um, this is another great one for, you know, during the summer. Cause what it really is, is a punch. It's an old school punch. Like every time I go to Goodwill a lot and I like to refinish old furniture and stuff. And I always see all these cool old punch bowls with all the little cups and whatnot, where cool. you could just make a big batch of this, um, put some sliced lemons in there a little bit of the, you know, a couple little pieces of lemon balm and whatnot and kind of, you know, can kind of do it with anything. So, so yeah, it was a little thing threw together. This is, this is super delicious. Okay. Yep. It does. Of course, it deserves cheers. Thank you, Nikki. You're welcome. Served out of mason jars. Yes. Very cool. And I appreciate this because I'm not a huge whiskey drinker, but this is completely refreshing and I agree. it's, It's got like a... I don't know. I'm not, gonna, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna make that sound again. But yeah, like it's it's just uh, <laughs> you know, Caroline. <laughs> it's so I, it's so good. I noticed you use primarily sweet whiskeys, Canadian and Irish whiskeys. Was that by design because it's a sweet tea, or was that just also by coincidence? That was just by coincidence. And actually, on um, the Canadian I used is actually it's a hundred percent rye, so it so adds rye. a little bit more spice to it, and that one gets particularly little herbal. So that's why I added it into there because it reminded me of some of the kind of sweeter style herbs I was using. Um, but yeah, everything else is just kind of little bits of what I had around. I think I had some Jim Beam Black. Um, uh, Jack Daniels, Gentleman Jack, things around that, you know, if you need something just to kind of taste like a whiskey in there and do that trick, and that's yeah, pretty much what it was. So, and that's um, some high quality Canadian black velvet in that little no, boy smile. Oh, if only, if only. <laughs> yes, nope, none of that, none okay. of that. But um, if I was doing this, like actually designing what I was going to do for the whiskey in there, I actually would use probably a heavier, higher proof bourbon, um, something that can add, add a little bit of sharpness to it. It's delicious. I'm not a big whiskey or bourbon person. I don't know. It just, it's hard for me to just like drink an old fashioned and really like it. But this really does taste like sweet tea. Like, see, Nikki, I think you and I would like this perhaps more if it had bullet bourbon in it. And I think that Marnie and Caroline would like yeah. it less if it had bullet bourbon in it. Yeah, yep, probably. I, that, that is. 
probably true. So you can just bring a little bullet bourbon on the side and add a little to your own drink and don't mess it up for me. I need a little flask, don't worry. Just, just a little, little hip flask. <laughs> little hip flask. You did recently just buy it. That cute little flask. <laughs> the only one we I have has a Santa Claus on yes. it, so it's we don't use it year round. <laughs> it has Santa Claus on it? Yeah, we have a Santa Claus hip flask. What makes you seem like a bigger drunk than having a Santa Claus flask in July? Christmas in July. If I had a Santa Claus hip flask, I would definitely be using that all year round. I think the only <laughs> month I wouldn't use it would be December. No one would bat an eye at you. They'd be like, yeah, that guy's a drunk. Just leave him alone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. This is a great drink. Uh, this is going to be a good night. That's all I have to say about that. Um, I wanted to share with you guys a couple of things that I harvested out of my garden most recently. Um, I brought in some French breakfast radishes as well as some curly red mustard greens. They have a frisé look to them. So both of these things are a little bit spicy. And uh, Charles was actually eating the greens to the radishes as well. But they're both the kind of plants that you want to eat when they're small and the flavor and texture is right. Because the older a radish gets the woodier it gets and the hairier the leaves get um so it's much more pleasant to follow the back of your seed package and when it says 45 days pull them at 45 days as long as it looks like there's a top and most of the time with radishes you can kind of see that sticking out of the ground so these were really good i'm glad that charles liked them quite a bit he said he you you said you cook radishes too charles you can cook radishes not a lot of americans do it but um you can cook them down in butter so basically butter poach them and they're excellent just season them with salt and pepper they just soften up and take on the flavor of the butter so use a good butter and they're delicious you can roast them that way or do it in a uh, saute pan Ooh, that's interesting. Um, and then I and then I didn't make a salad out of them, but these mustard greens are really beautiful. They have a nice, you know, kind of delicate look to them. Um, they go really well with uh, citrus style um, dressings, and you can add them to other salads to give a little kick to them. We've been just eating it just to experience it. And Marnie, you said once you had a bit, they got a little. <laughs> A little, little spicy. A little spicy. But I'm a weenie. Oh, it's spicy things. <laughs> well, they, they have an earthy flavor to them. They're really beautiful. You could even use them as a garnish, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. These, I would definitely put them in a salad. Like, I just, I don't know if I could handle, like, a salad that was just these guys. You know, no, I think I think these are a little bit goes a long way style plant. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I use uh, I've talked about it before. I use the square foot gardening method. So I harvested just one square foot and that's all I had growing. So at this point I can reseed and I'll have some more coming in like another month, which is, like that way I'm always eating stuff that's young and delicious and I'm not letting stuff get too big and crazy and taste weird. So, yeah, just take your little calendar and write down <laughs> on the days that, like, oh, it's been 30 days. This crop is supposed to be harvested after 30 days. Oh, it's been 45 days. Harvest Stop me if you've broached this subject uh, in prior episodes, but is that a common issue that you run into? Because I know that it is it is pretty common that people want to grow things as large as possible because they think that they're getting more value um, for their plants. You know, it's not it's not a specific topic we've delved into a whole lot. We've talked about zucchinis and eating, you know, baby-sized zucchinis, but truthfully, the more you harvest 
plants young, the more time you have to grow more and everything tastes better when it's young and sweet or young and crispy. Um, so do eat, eat tiny cucumbers, eat tiny zucchinis, you know, they taste awesome. And then you don't get those big giant marrows that you can only make zucchini bread out of, you know, um, so if anybody has a question about growing things to proper sizes or, you know, why they didn't like a specific vegetable, you know, please write to us um, on our Facebook page, Vernon North, um, or tweet at us or email us and we'd be happy to, like, look at what you got and talk about it. But, yeah, eat stuff when it's young and awesome. I can see myself having questions for you about that <laughs> as I embark on my rookie gardening journey. Yeah. Because I definitely would have probably thought more like what Charles mentioned, just let it grow as big as it can get and the bigger the better. Right. Well, and there's a lot of things that you don't want to, you don't want to let it go all summer. So like sure. different lettuces are going to bolt and get bitter if you let them just keep going. So you want to harvest them while they still look good or before a nasty heat wave, that kind of thing so that they taste really good. Mm. Um, I think a lot of, there's so many different lettuces and we really only know about like romaine and iceberg and maybe spinach in this country. And there's so many more colors and flavors and textures out there that you can't really just buy at the grocery store. So in order to enjoy some of these specialized lettuces and vegetables, definitely harvest them young. Eat babies. All right. So uh, Marnie's here. I did help Marnie set up kind of one of her first veggie gardens last weekend. Yeah, I, I feel like I cheated because you brought over the little sprouted plants already. <laughs> and and the beds were there already. So Hey, hey, you're just utilizing your resources. That's true. Charles and I moved into a place that had... Was it five, Charles? Five raised beds originally, and then there's three that are still there, and I think there's I two. Just, I just know the three that are there now. I uh, there's two frames, I think, um, that are stacked vertically on the side of our. Oh, on the side uh, of the garage. Yeah. Yep. Well, yeah. There, there, yeah, there are three now. Yep, and. Um, we had a little housewarming shindig and of course Caroline busted through the door with armfuls of plants because <laughs> what else would Caroline do? What else would Caroline bring as a housewarming gift? And but, so, no, I mean that in the, in a, the best way possible. Right, right, it right. Was, yeah. And starting a garden is something I've always said that I would do and Charles gardens. And I have always been like, Oh, I'll help you with the garden. And the summer comes and goes and we just get busy and it doesn't happen. So Caroline like, lit a little fire under my keister <laughs> to get me going there and came over and helped me plant. And well, so, I, yeah. I tried to think like, what do you give to the foodie to the dummy who, no, who kills to the plants foodie and the dummy <laughs> who already have That's every, the name of our podcast the foodie and the dummy. You're not a dummy, Marnie. It's, you're just, no, new. I'm not. You're just, but new. I am in gardening town. I want like, that crime show, by the way, the foodie and the dummy <laughs> on the CW. <laughs> Oh God, that sounds awful. Well, I'm, I was thinking really hard. What do I want to bring as a housewarming present to somebody who kind of, you have everything and, mm. and the things that you really like, you're way better, smarter at than I personally am, but except for gardening, 
gardening. <laughs> I know you like fresh food. I know Charles has had gardens in the past and you were newly moved in. Nobody has time to deal with all that and plant a garden. So why not bring the garden to you? We went in with a couple of friends and got tons of flowers, tons of herbs, tomatoes, peppers, a few things that I started in my own yard. And then I let them uh, rifle through my seeds kit so they could plant some beans and squash and stuff if they wanted to. Which, to be honest, I didn't really you get You don't the even have time. That's it. I'm stopping by your house. No, but the plants that we planted are alive <laughs> and well. Charles can vouch for this. I haven't killed any of your plants. Is they're that, doing, they're doing well. Please Marnie's corroborate. in Florida. Yes. I watered them as normal. Actually, I, I have a question oh, for you that I just thought shoot, of. Shoot, go for it. So the flowers that you brought me, and mm-hmm. and thank you, Charles, for watering the garden while I was gone. <laughs> um, but the, the flowers you brought me, I was um, picking up mulch, as you told me to do, at the garden store. Mm-hmm. And I saw the like miracle Grow bloom boost. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if that's just a total sham and, and packaging design to... to Cool dummies like myself, but I picked it up and I've been putting that on the flowers. Is that a thing? Does that really work or is it just a trick? Oh, you can totally use use that. So plants use different nutrients to encourage different types of growth and Bloom Boost is higher in the, the nutrients that encourages flowering. So absolutely you can use that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. They're, it's really good on stuff like geraniums, things that are going to flower all summer. Which is what I have been putting them on. Totally, totally legit. You can totally do that. Cool. Uh, There's a few different ways to try and feed your flowers. Um, There's organic methods involving seaweed and compost teas and stuff like that. That sounds like a lot of work. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, to each their own. Um, But yeah, Bloom Boost or Miracle Grow and that kind of stuff. I mean, I hit my tomatoes with a little bit of Miracle Grow a couple times this summer, full disclosure. Most of the time, my garden methods are very organic because a they're cheap and b i can do them at home without having to leave my house so yeah absolutely not a problem cool follow the directions on any product uh, Mm -hmm. so that you don't accidentally over fertilize something um or cause any problems in your yard so cool yeah 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 i'll be bugging you all summer with more questions (laughs) please do and that goes for everybody out there in podcast land please send us your questions because my friend kim sends most of these (laughs) which is totally fine she has great questions but you know we'll answer yours too please just send them in peek behind the curtain yeah yeah (laughs) so uh at this point i'm gonna shift over to charles charles is an excellent grilling dude he he has a little uh a food group where they grill called le meat and they like they'll get whole pigs and do crazy stuff and so since this is kind of a fourth of july episode i wanted to hear from charles about what kind of stuff can i grow and grill to make awesome food around the fourth yeah, so my understanding is that we're going to discuss using uh, herbs for grilling, of which there are many strategies. Uh, there are, of course, some basic tips regarding um, using larger pieces of herbs uh, on whole pieces of meat with a direct flame. Um, I only 
uh, grill with hardwood charcoal, uh, and those flames can get awful hot, um, upwards of 900 degrees when you have a direct flame beneath your proteins. Uh, so you don't want to have like a nice big piece of oregano leaf on the bottom side of a steak and have, uh, the flame hit it because it's going to burn immediately. And that doesn't taste as good as actual oregano that survived the battle. Um, so indirect heat helps a lot. For those instances, um, ideally, if you're going to use herbs uh, directly on the grill mixed into your seasoning, you want to also have um, some some olive oil. Um, then apply that to your grilling meat or seafood or produce because dried herbs, as aforementioned, will burn immediately. Photograph I'm, time. I'm taking a little picture. Right. Hi, everybody. Hey. Um, Other ways you can implement herbs into um, grilled foods, because anything you grill is inherently going to be like smoky and rich, even vegetables. Um, I know a lot of former meat eaters and uh, vegans who are former meat eaters like to grill mushrooms and peppers because it's got like a hardiness to it. Um, And using herbs to offset that hardiness and that smokiness uh, is a great strategy to give a lot of depth of flavor to uh, your food. So you can accomplish that with brines, um, particularly with poultry, dry and wet brines. A dry brine with herbs would be um, some, you know, basil and sage and rosemary and a bunch of salt and uh, maybe some other spices and black pepper. And then patting that down on, say, a chicken and then putting it in your fridge for six to eight hours, up to 24 hours, and allowing that to pull out moisture and draw in flavor. And so it'll take on all the flavors of that brine. Same thing with a wet brine, except that that means you're submerging it in liquid. Um, Marinades, of course, you know, you put things in a plastic Ziploc bag with herbs, like a flank steak. Um, That's a great strategy for a flank steak because if you use things like lemon or lime, typically lime, you're gonna also break down the connective tissue and make it a more tender cut when it's grilled, but you want to throw a bunch of herbs in there as well. I have totally tried to use uh, fruits that break down connective tissue when I'm cooking, and I was trying to make like a delicious chicken pineapple stir fry, and it turned into like this weird shredded pulled chicken mush. Mush. <laughs> Acid's good for breaking down connective <laughs> tissues, but if it's making prolonged contact, it will eventually reduce it to nothing. Yeah, there's some enzymes inside of pineapple that specifically break down proteins, so that's why if you eat way too much fresh pineapple you can get like sores in your mouth sometimes some, some people are more sensitive to that than others but i was like oh look at this oh, oh man it's just chicken <laughs> and i served it to like six people sorry <laughs> sorry guys <laughs> but limey steaks here's, here's that chicken mush Eat this chicken mush. <laughs> Eat it. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things to do with a um, a flank or a skirt steak is to uh, marinate it for approximately 12 hours with a lot of, I like to do a lot of Thai flavors with uh, skirt steak particularly. So you do lemons, you do lemongrass. I'm sorry, limes. I do limes, lemongrass, basil, uh, fish sauce, soy sauce, sesame oil, things like that. And Delicious. it just takes on tons of flavor and, you know, the basil is still very present even with it being perhaps the only herb that I use when I do that. So do you typically use a Thai basil for that or do you use any kind of basil for that? You can use 
any kind of basil. Um, yeah, typically if I can find it, I will use Thai basil. If I grow it, I'll use it. Um, I grew it last year, so I was able to use it for that application a number of times. Uh, but any basil will do for, for that application. Particularly with the multitude of flavors, you're not really going to draw out the characteristics as much as if you would were you to only use basil for a dish. Okay, fair enough. So any bla- any blazel will blend blazel blazel any blazel will blue. <laughs> Can I ask kind of a stupid question? Maybe yeah. a stupid question, or you know, maybe this is something you and I have talked about before, Charles, okay. and it fell out of my brain. But so, as someone who really doesn't garden a lot, and also is not nearly as good of a chef as yourself, a cook. Home, home cook, chef, yes, whatever, preparer of food. Um, like, when would you choose, when and why um, are you choosing, say, the rosemary fresh from the garden downstairs that you pick and then come up and use in the kitchen versus, like, anything that's been dried and purchased from, like, Penzi's? That's a great question. You know, even because you have such an extensive dried spice collection as well from Penzi's, but, like, what are the motives and pluses and pros and cons and whatnot of that? When it comes to fresh herbs, the rule 99% of the time is if you got to use it. Like, I'd always rather use fresh herbs. Okay. Than dried herbs. Okay. Um, I'm sure I'm reticent to draw to mind instances where I would rather use dried herbs because everything that I'm thinking of right now, um, I would rather use fresh herbs. You name it, tarragon, marjoram, basil, oregano, uh, parsley, cilantro. I, I would always rather use fresh herbs. So it's basically like a for, for winter thing, right? Like when you can't actually get fresh herbs or maybe in my case, like I'm like, it, maybe it's a time thing. No pun intended. Yeah, it's, like it's a, out like of convenience for right, sure. Right, convenience where like I, oh, I have this herbs de Provence mix and it's already all, all of them are in there and I just have to grab it from my pantry and shake it onto whatever I'm making rather than taking the time to go downstairs and clip it. Yeah. And I mean, in instances where myself, I use a lot of herbs and spices when I cook, like a lot, a lot. So if I'm cooking some corn that I just sawed off of the cob and I threw it in a pan and started charring it up and I start to think, well, what do I want this to taste like? I generally haven't decided that prior to cooking it because I already know there's going to be probably olive oil and or butter and salt and pepper. But then I start digging through my pantry and I say, okay, smoked paprika, go. Uh, Granulated garlic, go. Always with the smoked paprika. Yep. Time, go. Smoked paprika is a cheat. It's a cheat code. (laughs) The Penzi smoked paprika is a cheat code. Yes, I use that a lot. It's spectacular. And so in those instances, I don't know what I'm going to use yet. So while it's in the pan, you know, on high heat, turning brown, I'm not going to run to the fridge, even if I have it, get some time, pick off all those tiny leaves, and then add it to the pan. Right, exactly. It's like your little artist palette when you open your spice cabinet. It is. <laughs> yeah, it for be. him, for sure. It's a lot of fun. Side note to all of us uh spice newbies out there spices do not last indefinitely in your cabinet and they do need to be stored in a dark cool place so don't keep them in glass right above your stove where they're going to get hot all the time and they're exposed to light because you're going to lose all the best flavors and you're just going to have a a jar with like splashes of grease on it so don't do that (laughs) I'm also um 
a stickler about, I don't like my spices to be older than six months. Part of the issue is I make a lot of spice blends. Like I make my own curry, I make my own dry rub, and it really grates on my nerves when I have a four-month-old, say, smoked paprika and a one-week-old granulated garlic because then inherently it's going to taste different than the last time because one element is much fresher than the other. So buy little amounts frequently when you can. Don't buy the giant Costco $5 for a lifetime supply of garlic powder because after a few months it's going to taste like garbage. And use it. Don't be shy. A lot of people buy like a nice, you know, and this isn't a spice, but like a, a nice balsamic and then they never use it. They use the, the Target brand balsamic because they think that that 18-year-old balsamic is for special occasions and that occasion never comes. Always use the 18-year-old balsamic. That's like one of my tenets of my life. Always use the 18-year-old balsamic. Life is a special occasion. <laughs> I never say that. <laughs> we were literally just talking today about like pillows and like things that you hang oh, on your no. wall that have like super cheesy things. Yeah. Like live, laugh, love. <laughs> or, or like life is a special occasion. <laughs> The softer side Sears. I won't say my alternatives to those. It's not for this. It was pretty funny, but not super appropriate. (laughs) Um, But that is that the blue bottle that you always use. That's 18. Is that 18 year? 18 year balsamic. That's from Anona Gourmet in San Antonio. That is so good. It is so good. Like I, my parents came over for um, Father's Day, and we gave my mom like a little shot glass of it, and she like drank it. You can she, drink it, and I do. She's like, mm, yes, absolutely. You got any more? <laughs> it was, yeah. He uses that all the time, and it makes everything more magical. Okay, well, I'm gonna have to look for that because well, I use my stuff up. But uh, hey, do you got a, a few more grilling and herby tips for us over there, Mr. Shaw? Certainly. Um, I jotted down some interesting ideas for sort of unorthodox techniques for um, using herbs when grilling. Ooh, we love unorthodox here. Yeah. So <laughs> one thing you can do is to uh, create a basting brush with herbs. Uh, get a dowel of some sort, like a uh, like your you know wooden cooking spoon, um, and use the the back end the dowel and some kitchen twine and get some herbs like, you know, your thyme and rosemary, oregano, stuff you're going to have in your garden. Tie them around the end, sort of like a bouquet garni, like a little bouquet of herbs, and then get a basting liquid that you can make with, you know, an olive oil base or a vinegar base and leave the dowel in that liquid, thereby infusing it with the flavors of those herbs. And then when you brush the meat or vegetables, as it were, you'll probably leave some remnants of the herbs as well as layers of the flavor as, uh, say, a cut of beef begins to cook through because it's going to develop more and more of a crust and you'll continually apply those flavors as the meat cooks. Plus, you'll impress all your friends. They'll be like, well, they know what they're doing. Yeah, either that or they'll think you look really weird. They've got (laughs) herbs on a stick that's intense. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Um, a couple couple other ideas. Uh, so one thing that I like to do. So if you sous vide a cut of meat, uh, Caroline came to Mari and I's housewarming party mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago. I sous vide a whole beef tenderloin in a bunch of herbs and garlic and foie gras fat. True story. Uh, when I took the tenderloin out of the... Uh, the bag that it was sous vide in, uh, because I use um, vacuum sealing, I had a bunch of sprigs of thyme and 
um, rosemary and some bay leaves inside the bag. And I took them and threw them into my hot coals on my grill and closed the lid so that it could produce some smoke or steam that tastes like those herbs. Mm. It really does work. It sounds wonky, but it works. Uh, you want the herbs to be wet, which they were because they were in the bag. So they don't burn so quick. Oh, Correct. Right. For the steam. Yep. And the, 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 the liquid also helps to create that steam and makes them burn slower. Correct. Um, and they already kind of tasted beefy. They were cooking in the bag with the beef and the beef itself tasted like the herbs because it was in the bag impressing that beef with those flavors. Um, so that's a couple tips. One is you can throw the herbs onto your coals to make the coal or to make your food taste like that flavor, much as you would if you used a mesquite or a pearwood or a cherry wood to impart those flavors into grilled foods. But they should be wet. Yep, right. they should be wet. Yeah. Just like so if you use wood like chips. Burn up. Yeah. Yep, just like you want to wet wood chips. Um, another strategy is if, if you're a gas griller, which I am not, but if you are, that's okay, I assure you. Uh, you can remove <laughs> you can remove Charles the, likes you a little less, but it's okay. <laughs> you can remove the grates from your grill and take an aluminum uh, pan, mm-hmm. uh, those disposable ones, punch some holes in it uh, with a skewer, and then put some wetted chips down on that pan, and then some uh, herbs, some wetted herbs onto that, put the grate back on, fire up your grill, and then that will impart your food with the smoky flavor of the chips, as well as the um, herbs themselves. I totally gotta try that, because... I love our gas grill because sometimes you just want to get cooking and Mm. I don't have, I don't know, Jesse husband man would prefer to use the charcoal grill because I think he just really likes lighting charcoal. Like he feels really tough about it. Um, Fire is fun. (laughs) That's what they taught me in school. Love it that way. (laughs) But I'm just like, ah, you just turn on the gas grill like a stove and just go for it because we got stuff to do. We got food to eat. I'm hungry and I love eating. So it is convenient. But for me, it's all, that's the same as the difference between fresh herbs and dry herbs or, you Mm -hmm. know, it's, it's, it's a similar, parallel okay guilt trip received <laughs> i acknowledge it's, that i'm i'm totally with you though and when i'm preparing i go the shortcut dried herbs gas grill i would go the gas grill route and so then, that's why i always grill exactly when i'm eating uh-huh. i'll uh, i agree with charles <laughs> like right. if i'm if i'm cooking it i agree with you but if i'm just eating it then i'll, I'll agree with charles but i'm glad that you gave <laughs> us some tips on how to kind of hack your gas grill to get some of those awesome flavors and that'll be helpful for people who only have the one type of grill at home because we're not telling you to go out and buy an additional grill we're we're saying use what you got and try these things we're also not telling you to waste herbs because another thing that you can do is at the end of harvest season when you have the stalks left from your herbs your herb plants uh, you can preserve those and dry them and then just keep them in bags dry storage you don't have to refrigerate them or anything um, once they're dried out and then you can use those in the same manner that I just discussed using like uh, fresh rosemary that you had used for um, say that sous vide application I remember coming over to your house last winter and you had this horrible dead looking Christmas tree. And I was like, what the hell is with your, your ugly <laughs> dead Christmas tree? It was a rosemary tree. tree. Yeah. It was rosemary. Was from, it was from Whole Foods, wasn't it? <laughs> it was once from Whole Foods. Bless you. It was, yeah. 
but it was actually really dried herbs used for cooking and but it, it still looked terrible it was it was on its, it was it was it, yeah just it was one day past its last day and caroline just happened to waltz in on that afternoon and it looked particularly sad with like the little ornaments still in it i guess <laughs> Like I, we probably should have just you know maybe I don't know hung it, it, up, it was like hung March upside down you know like the way can't wait to make all my friends listen to this and then they can laugh about knowing this exact same thing about me. <laughs> well, I mean, you cook the you cook the best stuff. I'm so glad we, you could come out today and tell me we about used this stuff. we did use parts of that little Christmas tree. I used a lot of that Christmas tree. Yeah. That's why I'm well, it's still just there. Like, who's gonna use all that? Oh, that's a lot of rosemary. Yeah, it was so much. Oh, that was the coolest Christmas tree I've ever had. Again in in July because we're talking about rosemary Christmas. Rosemary's baby. Uh, Christmas. That's, that's a, that's a, let's that's not that go Christmas there. Yeah, that's, that's much darker. <laughs> uh, I'm excited. So when you say like take the stems and stalks and like the the stick parts of your herbs and dry them and use them for cooking through the winter. I love that. That's a great idea. I bake chickens all the time and you can just take handfuls of herbs and just stuff your chicken with them just right, right all up in there. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe I need to start saving my stems and stalks so that I can do that in the winter time. Smart. That's a smart tip. Feels good. Smart. <laughs> smart. <laughs> Have you finished your two cocktails? Um, I got about an inch left of this other one. Dang, it looks like I'm the only one that really downed both of those. Nikki, that, that was really good. Both of them were Thank so you. good. Thank you. So, Charles, to wrap up your segment, if you could only grow three herbs Ooh. for grilling, what three herbs would you grow? You're going to send them into an existential crisis. No, that's pretty easy. Oh, never mind then. Um, <laughs> I thought you'd have a harder time with that. No, thyme, rosemary, and basil. I think they're you know they're they're very versatile. Uh, I love things like well, I can't grow a bay leaf tree, so right, we're in the wrong climate. Yep, bay leaf is probably arguably my favorite herb, but I can't grow a bay leaf tree. Uh, but those herbs are all quite versatile. They can be used with a lot of different types of foods. Um, wild tarragon is excellent. It, for me, I love tarragon with uh, white fish. I don't like it as much with um, other proteins. I don't like it as much with poultry. I know some people use it with chicken. It's not my favorite. I barely know how to use tarragon. Full disclosure. There you go. So I bet your list would be a lot like mine, but you maybe would have oregano in there instead of rosemary. Some people don't like rosemary as much as I do. No, I I would probably, I, I like your list. I approve. Stamp of approval. That I Wait, like I forgot cilantro. Oh, God. But, okay, so for me, <laughs> And then sidebar, he looks at me. <laughs> sidebar. For me, uh, basil and cilantro in my yard, I treat more like a leafy green because they're kind of, sure. they're juicy. You eat them fresh. They don't have stems and sticks and twigs and they don't have chewy leaves. You just consume the whole thing. So I grow them right in my raised beds with everything else. They need a lot more water than thyme and rosemary. Mary. Sure. And yeah, I love, uh, I love basil. In fact, I brought over a cute pasta salad tonight to go with these yummy cocktails. And I used a bunch of basil microgreens and Swiss chard microgreens. I used them, uh, 
just to, instead of making like a pesto, I just use these little tiny baby plants and I clear cut them off of uh, the verdant north that I grew. I spelt the word verdant in basil and I saw that. It was so cute. <laughs> it was really cute. But Go it, to the uh-huh. Facebook page and see, is it on the website too? It is. It yeah. totally is. It's like a little header. So, so we just ate verdant north's V E and N tonight. Vern. <laughs> Vin. Uh, Vin. <laughs> Put an extra R in there. <laughs> two basils, don't worry. Or two cocktails. Damn it. Oh, two, no. basils. <laughs> two basils. Two cocktails. Oh, no. This is a double cocktail night. I feel good about this. This is what happens when Nikki yeah. brings two yeah, cocktails just, to the I'm waiting for the chaos to ensue. <laughs> Hashtag double cocktail night. Hashtag eat babies. Hashtag eat Vern. <laughs> uh, tiniest little riot in the Como neighborhood. <laughs> great. Yeah, no, it was, uh, so I have a bunch more basil to eat in and eat them when they're little, eat them when they're young, they're good. And it was a microgreens mix that I used. And so it's, it's different than growing rosemary and thyme because those you have to strip off of sticks and then you have chewy bits that, Mm -hmm. you know, you bite into and you're like, oh, I just chewed on a stick. That's a little nature spice. Gross. But no, it's, it's just, it's just flavor. It's just flavor. Lots of basil is good for grilling, too, because you can make uh, traditional pesto. Mm, yeah. Pestos mm-hmm. are great to make. You can use different herbs to make pestos. You don't have to use basil. You can do a sage walnut pesto. I like Ooh. to mix up the kind of nuts I use in my mm-hmm. pestos, for sure. Always garlic, always olive oil, different kind of nuts, different cheese. kind of greens. Oh, yeah. Always, always cheese. Always shiz. Always queso. I got a quick question if I could. Uh, my wife has that genetic issue where cilantro tastes like soap. Yes. Sure. People what is that- the best alternative for that good cilantro flavor that is not quite yeah, there? What, what's what's that step towards reconciliating that for people who can't taste, taste it? I mean. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, no, that's fair. Uh, yeah. I, taste buds, did you say? I, don't really, I told her that number of times, but she doesn't listen. Realistically, there's not a great alternative for cilantro. It would You'd, you'd more likely be using parsley. Okay. Mm-hmm. Unless, what, Caroline, yeah. you have an idea? Or I feel like maybe parsley, look, we'll research this a little bit, but I feel like you, Mr. Randy, could have some cilantro on the side that you add to your plate. Oh, that's what I do. Absolutely. But I, yeah. I think that's the best way to, to figure that out because parsley in your guacamole is not going to taste great. But that's the nice thing about cilantro, too, is that it's typically only fresh applications, like 98% of the time it's fresh applications. So right. you do have the liberty of putting it or not putting it on something. It's not yeah, like you're cooking true. a roast right. and, oh no, you're there's cilantro committing. on it. Yeah. Because then everyone's going to hate that cilantro. Yeah. Good call. Don't Thank put you. it in your chimichurri sauce. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Charles, thank you so much for your grilling pointers. Like, My pleasure. You're much more of a griller meat dude than than I am at this point in my life. So I really appreciate your input on that. And, Someday and you too will be a griller meat dude. <laughs> Someday I will be a griller meat dude. New theme song. New theme song. Yep. Well, that's, that's for the podcast. Griller meat dude. <laughs> griller meat dude. Yes. <laughs> um, so let's switch over to like a few uh, questions, Mr. Randy. Well, that's what I want to ask you. We're hitting that hour mark. What do you, I, I think we're almost out of time. Oh man! Okay. Yeah, we we are we ramped up on a lot of information. So, I love uh, it. All right, we're gonna skip questions. We're gonna skip them. Uh, Randy, roll the credits. Thanks for listening.
listening to Verdant North. Find our blog post online at, at verdantnorth.net. Find us on Twitter at, at Verdant North. And you can find us on Facebook by searching Verdant North. If you want to contact us, contact us but hate social media you can email us at verdantnorthteam at gmail.com you can hear this podcast through soundcloud itunes stitcher or google play music don't forget to like rate comment and share the podcast the more likes ratings comments we receive the more visible this podcast becomes please do it we need it yeah you can find carolyn hallstrom on twitter at at Miss Zero Line. Miss O'Line. See, that's insane. How do you say it that way? I don't know. It has a zero in it. I know. That's don't insane. worry about it. No, it's fine. Uh, you can find Nikki Lyons on Instagram at November Blue 83. That's B L U. Not the normal way spelled, but that's where you can find her. And you can find uh, Charles Awad on Instagram at it came from the sea all one word and you can find a lot of the things he's a grill man grill monstering out there it's pretty delicious sounding and you can usually find Marnie Ginther hanging out with Charles weird <laughs> uh, you can also find me on Twitter at, at Marlon Rando uh, underscore Rando you can also hear me on the scattered podcast also available on SoundCloud iTunes Stitcher Play and Google Play Music uh, special thanks again to our background team uh cory hartung brie edistead and daivu for making sure we're online and looking good thanks everybody and as always thanks to minneapolis band volcanus for allowing us to use their tunes follow their hilarious video blog project on youtube and listen to them and our tribal band prozac rat on Bandcamp youtube and find them on facebook thanks for listening and always remember it's okay to kill plants it's okay to grill food happy fourth of july everybody <laughs> <laughs>